so called does our friend have a name? This is Snoot. You met Snoot. I didn't it's I didn't my... remember whether Snoot had a name. Do you not remember Snoot? It's my anteater. <laughs> I went for like um uh, a trip to the zoo to pet an anteater. And they sent oh, me this in the yeah. mail. But the best bit was when they sent it in the mail, it was all scrunched up like this. <laughs> and the way my ex-girlfriend at the time described it is, it's the kind of toy that you dread your kid picking up. Oh, no. Because they pick it up and you know it's going to cost 30 quid, but they sent it for free, so I've got, it's my snoot. I just so, thought it'd be funny to see me petting an anteater. I mean, it'll go very well for all of those audio listeners out there. Just like. which, which we can have now, because this uh, yes, the Wiki Weekdays podcast is now available where all podcast services can um, be found. A, a, most podcast services at this point, it's Except. taken a while to like go over to certain places. But, you know, if there's a certain podcast service that you use, it's not up on yet, just like give us a bell. It's now. We tweeted at Jay-Z, you didn't respond. <laughs> it's not on Napster. But it could be. Just upload it for. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, Napster's legit now, isn't it? Oh right, okay. I can't remember about Napster, but that doesn't matter because this is the Wiki Weekdays podcast, and I am your host for this week, Lucas Holland, and I am joined by my co-host, as always, Carl Smallwood. Hello. And you know we're we're just like walking around. We don't have a theme this week. We just need you in the comments. To let us know which wiki won this week. So mm-hmm. Carl's going to provide a wiki page for us first to research and delve into. And then after a quick little break, I'm going to return with my one straight afterwards. And then, you know, you lovely listeners get to decide which wiki won. Yes. So uh, I'm I'm going to go for a wiki page. I think we're going to have a lot to discuss. But also, okay. I can already guess what your reaction is going to be. And it's going to be... Oh no! The people, for the audio listeners, it is like grabbing the bridge of my nose and just sighing. Well, before that, I'd like to mention that uh, for anyone who's listening to this podcast within, like you know, a week or so release, there will be an a live event that myself and Lucas will be helping hosting here in the lovely city of Sheffield, mm-hmm. at the Meltdown Gaming Bar, uh, where you can come play rock band karaoke with us. It's an event we're hoping to host once a month in that bar. It's free entry. We have a good relationship with the owner of the bar, and they've agreed to let us host the event for free. As long as we promote it, which I'm doing now. So that is Meltdown Game Bar in Sheffield. And what yep. date and time is that, Carl? The 25th of August from 7 to 8 p.m. Doors open 7 to 8 p.m. Doors open at it's 6, not, technically, but that's for us to go in and set up the rock band. It's not, <laughs> the event an, it's starts not from an, hour live, like, an hour yeah. long live event. The event starts from 8, but we'll be taking sign-ups from 7. Okay. It'll be hosted by myself, you, Nisha and Brad. Yeah, and um, you know, I've just got to worry about getting all my fucking Xbox down to you. Now. We'll we'll figure. I've got a month to figure that out, Lucas. But speaking of figuring stuff out, the wiki I'd like to talk about today, which is linked below as always, is the No Russian Wiki oh, on no. Wikipedia. So, Lucas, you didn't do the furrow brow. It wasn't but you quite did... like the MP scandal moment, but it was like, ooh. So, Lucas, what do you know? About no Russian, I am. I mean, I'm aware that no Russian is a mission within Ooh. the beginning of the campaign of Modern Warfare Two, more specifically Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two from like what 2011, I want to say. So you did cut out for a second uh, there, so you have to repeat that for me. I okay. apologize. So yeah, I believe it's a, a one of the early missions in the campaign for Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, meaning mm-hmm. the like 2011-ish one. 
and yep. not the new Modern Warfare 2, the old Modern Warfare 2. So it came out in Modern Warfare 2 2009, and it is a mission in that game, and it is... That was two years after Call of Duty 4. I yep. thought that... Oh, yeah, of course, because they literally just once a year, yeah. Because uh, it was like Sledgehammer, and then... They, they basically had three studios working on Call of Duty games, didn't they? Simultaneously. Yeah, there's like um, Infinity Ward and then Treyarch as well. And Sledgehammer. And Sledgehammer eventually that started making the other ones. And then they have like 50 other Activision studios also helping them on everything. But for anyone who is unfamiliar with the No Russian video game mission, we've got a brief overview from Wikipedia here. No Russian is a mission in the 2009 video game Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 in its remastered version, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 campaign remastered. <laughs> Just yeah. what is with these like Fast and Furious style naming conventions? Because it's like, like, when they, it's like when they brought back Modern Warfare and it's like, oh, it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare. It's like, but is that Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare or Call of Duty Modern Warfare? It's like, oh, it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Yeah, they've just decided to go through the gambit of Modern Warfare 1, 2, and 3 again. Like, the exact mm-hmm. same name, apart from the fact that, like, what, Call of Duty 4 had the subtitle Modern Warfare. Yeah. So it was Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. Not Call of Duty Modern Warfare, but Modern Warfare 2 is literally the exact same name both times. And it's also the pretty much the same game because it has all the same characters in it. It's basically an alternate retelling of that game. And it kind but... of has similar set pieces and stuff in the campaign as well, right? Yeah. And all the same characters. <laughs> That's the thing that keeps getting, they keep bringing Captain Price back. But anyway, in the level, the player participates in a mass shooting at a Russian airport. Although... The player is not forced or told to by the game itself to shoot any civilians and may skip the level together altogether without penalty. And I would say, fuck off with that. You are 100% encouraged to shoot civilians because it is a first-person shooter game where they put a gun in your hands. And I hate that, I mean, like, that thing that told they did after. explicitly by the NPCs to shoot anyone? Well, that's the thing, yeah. Like the way that Activision's always like pussyfooted around it is by saying, "Well, you're never told to shoot anybody." It's like, but it's a first-person shooter where mm-hmm. the, literally the first thing you do in that game is get handed a gun and get told to shoot targets, which includes civilians, which you don't get a you get a penalty, but ultimately do not fail the mission for shooting. Mm. Like if people don't remember that very first call of like the first bit of Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two is you is the gauntlet, isn't it? Yeah, and, it's that training mission where you've got to like go through the little training area and get as fast a time as possible. Yeah, and one of the, like the most low key horrifying things about that is that you get a penalty for shooting a target that represents a civilian, mm-hmm. but don't fail the mission. Right. So the game is like subtly teaching you that it's okay to shoot civilians. Like we, you're gonna get in trouble for it, but ultimately you don't fail the game for killing. It's gonna a civilian. be a slap on the wrist. Yeah, so if you go through that thing and shoot every civilian and miss every target, they'll still let you join the army. It's like in Halo where you start turning on the Marines and like they yep. will fight back and try to hurt you if you kill like three Marines or whatever. But but killing one or two is acceptable. You, but you also don't fail the mission, I don't think, in most Halo games. No. I think you're just That's allowed the- to murder the crew. In that first Call of Duty game, you can go in to the target practice, shoot every civilian target, not shoot a single terrorist, take 15 minutes to do it, and they'll say, okay, you can go out there with, and we'll give you a minigun and a rocket launcher. It's like, Which you, you, know, just ra- you understand the controls of the game, well done. And it's like, mm, maybe that's not the best lesson, but yeah, but you've got I a video game with, it, yeah. But that bit where they say, the game never tells you to shoot, and it's, they put a gun in your hand and give you targets. 
fuck off with that. So No Russian is noticeably more graphic than any other level in the game. The plot of No Russian revolves around, do you remember the name of the character? I want to give you props if you can remember the character from a Call of Duty game. Um, I remember the name Makarov, but I don't know whether that... He's the bad guy. He's the bad guy, right, yeah. Yep. Um, I, I have no clue. I remember like the name so McTavish, but that's a different person. You don't play as them. You play as like a rookie. And it's because they even say like, um, uh, what kind of name is Soap? No, it's you play as PFC Joseph Allen working as an undercover CIA asset attempting to gain the trust of a Russian terrorist named Vladimir Makarov. And I love that that mission is. Makarov knows from second one that you're a, you're a traitor. And walks you through them killing a bunch of civilians in the airport yeah. to then just murder you at the end because he wants you to watch it all happen. It might be the single most stupid like plot point in that series of so audience at home, I've hopefully laid it out for you. It's like you're walking like basically it's an undercover mission, you've got to in- integrate yourself with this Russian terrorist cell. They go and attack a Russian government building, an airport and what they do is they shoot you, an undercover CIA agent, and the Russian government's like, well, the Americans launched this terrorist attack. Even though they have, the next mission is footage of Makarov on camera, the world's most wanted Russian terrorist. <laughs> and they still blame it on America. Because, Carl, they said no Russian. Yeah, they didn't speak, even though you've got four well-known Russian terrorists. <laughs> anyway, the game designer, Mohamed Alavi, was heavily involved with the level's development. Alavi wanted to, the level to serve as a catalyst for Modern Warfare 2's plot, what plot, and create an emotional connection between the player and Makarov. And that's the thing, there is a, you know, there is a thread through each Call of Duty campaign, but it's, here's an excuse to go set-piece to set-piece, mission to mission. Yeah, and I think No Russian was the start of something that Call of Duty kept trying to do of. What's going to be the controversial thing? Because they realise, if we just put a mission in the game where civilians or children die, we'll get like free advertising for six months. It's going to be all over the news for months, yeah. Because what do you remember what they did in Modern Warfare 3? What was the big controversy they had for that, which wasn't as well publicised, but they still did? Um, I don't remember which Modern Warfare 3. I remember there was the one with the like war crime gas. Uh, yeah, so Modern Warfare 3 is they had, it's you play through the eyes of a parent who sees their kid die in a gas attack. Oh, shit. Black Ops is where you torture the guy by putting glass in his mouth and punching him. What? Uh, I think Black Ops 2 is the one where you have napalm. Mm. And then Advanced Warfare didn't have really any. It has Kevin Spacey. <laughs> That's uh, true. And then I think it was Modern Warfare again where they put white phosphorus in it. White phosphorus, that was it, Which yeah. is like a proper war crime. And that was great because you had an actual soldier, right, an open ed of, like, white phosphorus is the singular most horrific weapon of war device since the atomic bomb. Don't put it in a video game where you can use it willy-nilly. And then you had a bunch of people with Call of Duty avatars calling him a fucking pussy. Yeah. Oh, it continues that members of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2's development team, I'm going to call it COD. Just yeah. for the rest of the people, I'm going to call it COD. Um, the development team were polarizing their opinions of the level, and several game testers expressed disapproval, including one game tester who refused to play the level at all. Uh, it says that much of the level's development was spent designing the massacre portion, which Alavi did not want to feel too contrived or traumatic. This is a mission where you can see people crawling to like to for help, unarmed civilians crawling for help, and then you can walk over, teabag them, and shoot them with a rocket launcher. I, d- I mean, I don't know if you get a rocket launcher in that issue, but... You get a grenade launcher. Oh, right, okay. Fucking hell. So, uh, 
No surprise here, no Russians sparked significant controversy for letting players directly participate in a terrorist mass killing. It became a popular subject in most gaming publications and major news publications worldwide. Journalists described the level's plot as illogical and derided the ability to skip the level, and that's me. That's the key key thing I hate about this, is that they put it in, but then pussed out and let you skip it. And do you remember, because we played through Modern Warfare 2 on your gaming channel, Mm -hmm. do you remember the wording they use to ask if you'd like to skip the mission? No, I don't remember the wording. Uh, it's something along the lines of some players may find this content upsetting. If you'd like to skip it, press this button. And it's like, no, fuck you. You put it in. Stand by your artistic vision. If this is your artistic vision for the game, put it in. Don't puss out and take away the ability to do it. It's like when we talk about um, a lot of those TV shows from, you know, 10 plus years ago that did blackface that have now removed the blackface episodes from streaming yeah. services and stuff. It's like, no, don't remove it. Keep it up. Because that's but the thing. Is like, there I'm should okay be content warnings there, for sure. I'm happy with them for them to remove it if they can explain why. And if that explanation is, well, we don't want to get yelled at on the internet, that's not a good enough excuse. Unless you've got like a, a heartfelt acknowledgement of the, the, you know, the discrimination and the, like, the bigotry that that emboldens... Go fuck yourself. And to clarify, that isn't me saying that, like, you know, either of us agree with the use of blackface. It's more like, well, you had the balls to do this. Yeah. Like you, you felt it was acceptable, was acceptable So why aren't you sticking up to what you think is acceptable now? And I, I'm not, you know, it's more a case of creating, like, you know, culpability for these people, not necessarily celebrating the use of anything. Like, we don't condone yeah. it. So my favorite example of that was, like, Tina Fey, where... She was like, or she was like, well, no, I stand by, you know, my creative vision. I don't like the idea of censoring um, comedians. And then someone like, so why have you got three examples of Yellowface in 30 Rock? And she took those episodes down and refuses to have interviews about it. And it's like, yes, yeah. so that's the thing. You're willing to stand by it up until the point you criticize, which mm-hmm. means you're not willing to stand by it. But so it's like just a brief level overview here is before the single player mode begins, a warning message notifies the player the option to skip the level. Should they find, and here's the rub, the content disturbing or offensive. But at that point, you don't know what the content is yet. Exactly. So you're being asked, like, do you deem this level not, like, you know, too insensitive to play through? And then you're like, but I don't know what the insensitivity is. Like, if I haven't seen this on the news, I don't know what this mission is yet. And the fact that they... And what makes, like, it hilarious in a Call of Duty game is that... Okay, so what is it that they deem to be the controversial aspect? Oh, shooting civilians. But what about, like, you know, I mentioned the intro where it tacitly suggests that the US military is okay with you shooting civilians. And it's like, well you know, your training mission, you don't fail the mission for shooting the civilian target. And you can say, well, that's a target, but it's a target representing a civilian. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, someone shooting that shows, like, an unacceptable, in my opinion, lack of control over their, like, you know, um, handling of a weapon. If I'm not mistaken as well, Modern Warfare 2 has multiple levels where you go through civilian areas with fire And you can fights. shoot people, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I'm pretty sure that, like, the I remember the one where you go through, like, the American village but it's, you know, it's implied that, like, oh no there's no, there's no civilians here, but it's like there's definitely people, like, hiding in the houses and shit where, well, yeah. like, bombs are going off all around them. Well, the first mission is like, Joey, you're going through like on the back with the minigun. You're going through like downtown, like, you know, made up his stand. Mm-hmm. And you can just like, there are 
civilians that come to the window and you can just minigun them down and you you can kill one or two of them without getting in trouble. Okay. And it's like, is that not more controversial? And I think it was, um, forget now, like, is it Rami Ishmael, the, the video games writer, where he oh, talks yeah. about how like Call of Duty censored that, but they um, let you war crime um, uh, foreign nations. Because mm-hmm. I think it's a mission in more than one warfare, sorry, where um, it's set in an American place. And if you shoot one person with one bullet, you instantly fail the mission. But there's a yep. point in the game where you're in like you know a foreign country where you can just like you know shoot rocket launchers into people's houses and it's okay. There's there's definitely occasions where it's like oh but now now that you're in Asia somewhere vague Asia yep. country it's like well it's Made not as stand. bad if you go and kill a couple of civilians it's like but in America you can't do that shit it's like oh yeah. wow okay Call of Duty. It says that um, uh, No Russian is the fourth level of the Modern Warfare 2 single-player campaign. In the level, the player controls Joseph Allen, undercover CIA operative. Um, No Russian begins with a player in an elevator with Makarov and three other gunmen. Makarov tells the group, remember, No Russian, hence the name of the Mm -hmm. mission, Um, in order, uh, and telling them to only speak English in order to frame the attack as being committed by Americans. That's the thing as well. But he's not wearing a mask. Because if he said that and then pulled down like a mask... And it do they even wear, like, American, you know, military gear or anything? Or is it meant to it, be, like, cities? They do use American guns. Right. Like, they use American-made weaponry. But I think the next mission opens up with... Like, I think the game opens up with Makarov, the world's most famous terrorist. <laughs> and it's like, his face is just there on the news. Just caught in 4K. It's like, no, 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 this, this was Americans. It's like, the CCTV. Yeah, so no Russian is noticeably more graphic than any other level in the game. Civilian screens can be heard throughout, and the crawling injured leave blood trails, a feature not present in the rest of the game. Oh, wow. The player is not forced to shoot any civilians, however, and may walk through the airport as the massacre unfolds. And I think, though, if they want you to do that, Joe, that that mission should have been, Joe, right at the end where like the riot shield wall comes at you, mm. Which is like one of the coolest visuals in that like mission, where it's like just the wall of Russian special forces coming through the riot shields. Mm-hmm. I think they could have done this if they did the mission of you're the police responding to this, and you've got to walk through the airport and see all the people who've died. Right. Yeah. And like you hear gunfire and screaming, and you've got to follow it through, and, and then you get like to the end, and trying to catch up to the massacre, kind of thing, and you're yeah, and too the late. Is, it still would have been crass as fuck, mm-hmm. but I think it would have been a bit better handled. And That's the only honestly, way I think they could save it. Let, let's just be honest, this could have been a cutscene, or it could have it, just not been in the game. It not, yeah. They, 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 could, have, they could have found another thing that is, you know, a little less extreme to be the inciting incident within this whole thing. Yeah. So the game does not explicitly encourage the player to shoot civilians, which it does. I don't care what anyone says. And the gunmen do not react if the player does not shoot. The player can shoot the other gunmen, but they will retaliate, causing the player to fail the mission. Um, once they exit the airport, they must have, enter into a firefight with FSB agents, some of whom have riot shields. The agents must be killed in order to complete the level. So again, like you know, you're not forced technically to kill civilians, but you are forced to kill like um, police Russian responding police. to a massacre. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the level, Makarov kills. Alan reveals he knew of his true identity. His goal was for Russian officials to discover that one of the assailants was an American and for Russia to declare war on the United States. And that's the thing. If this mission would have taken place anywhere but a fucking airport where there are cameras everywhere. And as well, the fact that, well, what would America's response be? Yeah, that was our guy that was hit, hidden within Makarov's terrorist yeah. 
forces so as an undercover the, it'd be agent. So easy if they'd be like, okay, it was an undercover mission. It was a bad idea. Yeah, it's shit. We had an undercover mission when I got to find a terrorist attack. But here's all the information that he's not a terrorist. He was like undercover trying to stop them. There would well, be I do think mounds of evidence that he was an undercover agent working the, with Russians. But but the idea though that like you're like super heroic, like mega America man would even stand there as, like, the first civilian got gunned down by Makarov. The fact that he wouldn't just wait for him to walk ahead and just gun them all down. Like, it's a bad thing, it's look, like, but it's a way worse look than going, yeah, we did find one of your agents there dead, so presumably they were all Americans, right? It's, yeah, it's just that thing, though, of when they start it and it's like, um, uh, we, need to capt- we need to capture Makarov, we need proof of him doing something bad. It's like, well, why not just shoot him now? <laughs> It's like, no, but he's, he's, he represents a big... He has, like, a nuke or something like that, doesn't it? Mm. It turns out, like, there's an American, like, general who's in on it. Something weird it? like, it's like that, he's in because he wanted to start a war. And it, it is one of those things, though, of why is the answer not... Oh, right, okay. I saw Makarov and his men gun down civilians, and I was standing right behind them all with a grenade launcher. Yeah. I just killed them. I stopped it. Yeah. Like I was trying to get to a point where we could arrest them safely, but they were murdering an entire airport of civilians. What did you expect yeah. me to do? Uh, but anyway, so that's what I mean. Contrived is the word we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Development and history. No Russian was envisioned early on in the development for COD. Members of the development team, uh, Infinity Ward, initially wanted to make a level where the players would pilot a AC-130 and kill zombies in Moscow. So have you ever heard about like the numerous ideas that Call of Duty's had that they've never gone ahead with that would be way cooler than any Call of Duty game? So they're going to incorporate zombies into the actual campaign? Yes, so do you know when like World at War came out and they had Nazi zombies and everyone's like, this is sick? I don't like yeah. that's the thing. I don't mind killing Nazis. I especially don't mind killing Nazi zombies. This is perfect. You could <laughs> exactly. like, you could put as much bullshit as you want in because I'll never feel bad shooting a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the rumoured ideas is for the modern ones, they were going to do alien terrorists. Oh right. And that'd be the thing, like the historical ones that have zombie Nazis and then the new ones that have alien terrorists. So they played around with having alien terrorists invading Earth and just Call of Duty gameplay with alien terrorists. And then they could put like crazy alien guns and shit in I mean, and compete with Halo. Obviously, depending on how you do it, but Call of Duty is a way more realistic type game than Halo is and strives for that realism. It is, like, it would be a bit of a weird question of like, okay, but is it fine to like murder all these aliens? Like, but that's the thing though, wouldn't that be more fun than just another? Like, the thing is, though, yeah, yeah, after like the seventh Call of Duty game, I wouldn't mind maybe putting some aliens in there, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure, <sighs> yeah. But they say, uh, when the fantasy elements were scrapped, the development team shifted their focus to a level centered around a terrorist attack at a Moscow airport, which was influenced by air travel safety concerns following, do you want to guess? What do you think they were inspired by when they said, we want to commit a terrorist attack at a uh, an airport? I mean, my, my first thought would be 9-11, but that 9/11. was... 9-11? That was like, what, 10 years beforehand or something? Oh, oh yeah, no, but they're at... Eight years, maybe? This is an American team, though, so they never, like, forget 9-11. So, lead writer... Oh, no! Lead writer Jesse Stern believes people have, and I quote, an innate desire to experience mass shootings firsthand. What the fuck? And says that this belief inspired the idea of having the player control a terrorist. The fuck is that sentence? 
Can you imagine sitting down in that meeting and a guy comes up and goes, so what's your idea? It's like, okay, this is a really controversial topic. What's your justification for including it in our video game where you can also like get more uh, multipliers for headshotting people? Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, you know, people always... No, I imagine, no, no. He goes up and goes, okay, so first of all, we all agree, right, that everyone <laughs> wants to take part in a mass shooting and everyone around the boardroom just goes, yeah, of course, continue. Everyone just like slowly leaves the building and like, can we check if this man has any weapons registered to him? Stern cited documentaries about the 2008 Mumbai attacks and the Columbine High School massacre as evidence and said, and I quote, these are human beings who perpetrate these acts, so you don't really want to turn a blind eye to it. You want to take it apart and figure out how that happened and what, if anything, can be done to prevent it. Ultimately, our intention was to put you as close as possible to atrocity. Why? No one wants... Here's the thing, though, right? Now, like, this was 2009... How many mass shootings have there been since then in America? I, I would mm-hmm. wonder, like, if you like confronted this guy and asked him if he still feels that way. Like, do you still think that people want to experience a mass shooting? Yeah, it's like, oh god, what a what a sentence to ever have come out of a person's mouth. Yeah, do you know that amount of thing is though? You know what they always say they say there's a higher level of sociopathy with like you know the higher up in a business you get the more levels of sociopathy they tend to um, display. Mm-hmm. That right there is part of that, I think, of mm-hmm. just sitting there going, do you know what people want to experience? A mass shooting. I've no, never, ever, ever thought that in my life, to be honest. I've never done anything other than hear about a mass shooting and go, I am so glad I had nothing to do with that. Yeah, and like I think the number one criticism you get from like every expert on a topic when it happens is like, stop fucking showing it on the news. mm it's tra- it's re-traumatizing for people. Like, and anyway, game stop, designer like leaking the names of the people and glorifying it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but no, put it in a video game where you get bonus points for finishing it. Game designer Mohammed Arave was heavily involved with the level's development, from programming the artificial intelligence, which remember included programming artificial civilians who were dying to crawl across the ground begging for help in Russian, uh, to directing the motion capture. Arave's intentions while working on No Russian differed from Stern's. He simply wanted the level to serve as a catalyst the game's narrative. And I understand the fact that, you know, this is not necessarily a decision made by a group of people. It it may come from, like, one or two higher-up people. Yeah. And it's like, look, I don't care. It is your job to motion capture and program this AI. Like, yeah. you've got to do it. I don't know how involved all of these people were, but goddamn, it, that must be... Not a nice feeling. It's similar to when um, you hear of like the Mortal Kombat developers that had like yeah. therapy because they're forced to look, look up horrifying images and stuff to make fatalities more realistic. It's like it's like yeah, our players demand a greater level of fidelity when they see Johnny Cage like karate chop someone's like face off. So go look at actual real footage of people having like industrial accidents and medical surgery and car crashes. That's a real thing that they made them do. And that's the thing as well. They always said, we never make them do it. But we show, it's, we just suggest that they do it for research and we mm-hmm. provide the resources for them. It's like, well, you're making them do it then, aren't you? Sorry. Much of the level's development constituted designing the massacre. In the first iteration, the massacre ended once a group of civilians were killed outside the elevator and it transitioned into a firefight. Alavi felt that having an emotional scene abruptly shift into a firefight was, and I quote, gimmicky. So he altered the level to prolong the massacre. Oh my God. Don't worry though, Lucas. He also removed scenes with children or families hugging each other to reduce player trauma. I mean, 
at least that's something, I guess. But like, who who was the one that said in the meeting? But make sure to include mothers and children, like, and you know, parents holding their children in fear and stuff yeah. like. Why? Why was that in the game in the first place? Why was that even scripted? Make sure you you program the kids realistically to cry for help and hug well, their parents. So, no Russian initially featured a limited amount of gore. A decision that was changed when the wife of lead artist uh, Joel Emsley questioned the authenticity of a level without blood. Due to the level's emotionally charged set piece, some of the voice actors broke down in tears while reciting their lines. Some members of Infinity Ward strongly opposed the level's content, while some members suggested the player should control, and I think this is a much better idea, a security guard instead. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's what I mean by the fact that this level was, you know, designed by committee, but wasn't necessarily decided upon by committee. And there's probably a bunch of people on the team that felt very uncomfortable making it, but guess what? They needed to get paid. Yep. Some members of Infinity Ward were strongly opposed to the level's content, while some members suggested yeah, making it else. According to Elmsey, uh, the no Russian polarised the studio. Alavi was not aware of any pushback from Activision, the game's publisher, about the level, but did note that the game testers elicited a variety of reactions. Many were initially angry and confused at the level's content, but eventually settled down and began shooting at the civilians. The thing is, that how could you look at that and think that you're doing okay? I'd look at that and I would feel fucking horrified that you'd made like a virtual like civilian murderer and people were playing it. Or the fact that, you know, you're game testers. After bear in mind, you've had a bunch of designers that already disagreed with this. You then gave it to game testers and many of them felt uncomfortable playing the situation out. And you went, no, 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 this is good. Make them sit there. Make them wait. Let them, you know, let the, the water slowly boil. Mm -hmm. Let them so, get used to it. One tester, who was enlisted at the time as a member of the United States Armed Forces, refused to play the level at all, but was willing to play the rest of the game. This led to the implementation of the skip feature, as the larva did not want the player to be punished for not doing what they felt was morally wrong. Reminder that in the rest of this game, you can run through a... You shoot a guy in the back. That's one thing I, it's like, I think we mentioned in the favela level, mm. where the game tells you as a guy running away and you shoot them in the back, which is like 100% a war crime. And that's the one as well where you capture him and you talk, and off screen he gets tortured with a blowtorch. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because like there's that they scene where you're like, oh, yeah, don't worry, like we've got this, and then they turn on a blowtorch and lower the door or whatever. And that's why you're running through the favela full of real people firing like dual magnums. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, though. Like, realistically, I should be able to boot up Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 and say skip the entire game and get all the achievement points for it. Because I find the very existence of it, it's like um, uh, the stuff... Because like, it's not the stuff that they choose to get, it's the stuff that they let you do. Because, mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, well, they felt it morally wrong to kill civilians. It's like, well, surely torturing someone yeah. is, is morally wrong. Why can't I get the option to skip that? Why don't I get the option to skip the part where I shoot the guy running away in the back? Why don't I get to skip the part where I can, like, you know... Cause I think there's one, one of the levels is you go to an abandoned school... And you can right. minigun the school because oh, we heard there's terrorists inside. So why am I allowed to take a shot before I know for a fact that they're um, a threat? Well, and let's not forget, um, you know, one that we failed to mention so far, the AC AC 130, is it, mission? Yeah, from the first game, yeah. From, from the first Modern Warfare, yeah. Yeah. 
um, where it's just like there are dots on your radar, drone them all down. It's like we don't know if they're a threat or not, we'll and it's it going through like farmland and shit. Or you even have like the uh, the sniper mission from the first game, where you mm. shoot people in the back. Because here's the thing: like, do you ever see like, like that was an amazing thing the hard drive did of like, can you violate the Geneva Convention in this game? And I presume it's like multiple times in every Call of yeah. Duty. So here's the thing people maybe don't know, because often in media it's portrayed as like, fine, you can't just shoot someone, even if they're holding a gun, because they're not a threat. You can only, like, rules of engagement are, unless they are actively a threat to you or another person, you cannot shoot them. And how many missions in Call of Duty are, okay, this guy's just completely unaware, walking around, shoot him in the back of the head. There's multiple stealth missions like that, where you're, like, with Captain Price, and they're like, Oh, yeah, make sure you shoot them both in the back of the head at the same time. Three, two, one, kill. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, but you're doing it to save the world. And it's like, okay, so, so oh, just yeah, we're going to... You know, these were armed guards, and they were patrolling their guard area. It's like, okay. But that's the thing. It's just one of those things where they're talking about the idea that, oh, yeah, you can you can do that. You can skip things that you find morally wrong. So I find it morally wrong to kill people, you know, without any sort of warning or whatever, or torture people without due process and stuff. But, hey, oh, no, that's fine. But reception. Prior to the release of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, footage from the mission was leaked onto the internet. Activision mm. confirmed the level's existence and clarified its context within the game. How do you explain that? If, just imagine just that mission coming out without context. Yeah, and, you know, you wonder what kind of thing this is. Is that, like some form of like guerrilla marketing is that an unhappy developer that didn't want that in the game um and it's just i don't question well i don't question activision feel fine being like yeah yeah but man the thing is i respect the balls it takes to confirm it though it's like you remember when like twitter had that meltdown and they changed all the blue check things and that company that guy bought an eight dollar check mark and pretended to be like an insulin manufacturer and said, like, insulin oh, is free. Yeah. And then the official, like, Twitter account for that company said, um, contrary to a report earlier, um, uh, that's fake. And it's like, Matt, I respect the balls it takes to go think of, like, uh, yeah, that thing that says we're going to make insulin free is wrong. We're going to continue to charge about the arse. Mm-hmm. The balls to just say that. And uh, we have some, uh, at the time, responses to it. Uh, the Daily Telegraph's Tom Hodgins uh, felt that while he could not properly judge the level without playing it at all, he still questioned whether Infinity War approached the level from the wrong direction by letting players use grenades to treat civilians like, and I quote, human bowling pins. Because <laughs> you can use grenades! Oh. And again, I get that the whole point is that you're trying to portray these Russian terrorists as horrible like, you know, soulless beings that mm-hmm. just need to be reprehended. However, yeah, you are playing the part of like an American soldier who mm-hmm. is meant to be this character with a moral compass. Yeah. And you're still able to be like, yeah, let's throw grenades at civvies. Like, let's yeah. go. Well, something in the, uh, uh, the game was obviously banned in Russia. In the Japanese and German version of the game, the level was editors that the player will be given a game over screen if they killed a civilian. The Japanese version was criticised by some players for changing Magarov's lines to remember no Russian to kill them, they are Russian. Oh. Which just feels like um, uh, just not uh, just an issue where we try to translate it and it didn't translate as exactly Maybe. accurately. Yeah. 
still not a good look. But just, yeah. And then we have some retrospective commentary, which is, um, uh, you know, people like in now looking back on it, as we are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2012, uh, Laura Parker of GameSpot. This sound no Russian was a watershed moment for the video games industry. I feel it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel it's the moment where they realized, oh, edgy shit sells. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, 2009 would mean I was 17 at the time. And I remember being, you know, uh, in in college and just like speaking to friends at the time. And most of them were like, oh, man, isn't this like so cool that you get to do this? Or like, yeah. isn't it so like crazy and impactful? And it's like, it's also a bit haunting and horrible. But and crass. Yeah, and crass. And like, and- yeah, it's it's one of those of, I imagine... 17 year old myself was way more like divided on this Mm -hmm. and probably thought like well yeah i do celebrate some aspect of it but yeah i respect the balls it it took to do it but i just don't like if it was any game but call of duty because i know someone in the comments right now is going to be mentioning spec ops the line because that's a game where it's a first person shooter it's a deliberate deconstruction of that genre oh it's a third person shooter it's a deliberate deconstruction of like the the oorah like, yeah, fuck yeah, guns are going to shoot all it the terrorists and save the day. Kind of starts out with that tone and then slowly over the, like, pace of the game, you realise, like, oh, no. Like, I'm, li- like, we are committing war crimes and this is horrible. Yeah, it's a deliberate deconstruction of a genre. It's a fan- it's phenomenal. And It's, it's what makes- so weird because they, like, never marketed that game as being that. And because I avoided it now. for years. Because you think it's like, a bro shooter, yeah, don't you? Oh, it's... it's a- completely uninteresting like bro shooter as you say and it was just like i don't want another one of these call of duty s games where i'm just like going around and killing a bunch of people for god knows what reason and then a friend turned around and was like oh no no that's like actually not the game it's like you should go and play it yeah and joe what the reasoning for that was it was the 2k with the people making it and they were like they heard the guy who directed it and talked about how, like, yeah, it's going to be a deconstruction of like the military shooter genre. We're going to really like analyze like why we lionize these like you know soldiers when they're committing horrific crimes. We're going to make people be confronted by the actions. Like you drop a bomb and it's like, oh fuck yeah, blow them all up. It's like we want people to be confronted by the reality of what that means. Mm-hmm. And then two K went, but Call of Duty did popular support multiplayer in, right? Yeah, and they made all the marketing focus on the shooting aspect and the multiplayer. And, and yeah, but- you can understand from marketing reason why that happened because to this day, Call of Duty is still the juggernaut of gaming. Like, but then whenever, like, but I know someone in the comments is screaming about Spec Ops: The Line doing it well because it's mentioned right here. During one scene in Spec Ops: The Line, uh, the player comes across a squad mate who's been lynched by a mob, and the player has the option to either kill the civilians or scare them away with warning shots. Walt Williams, the lead writer for the game, remarks that the development team wanted to include the scene and make it feel organic, and explicitly sought to avoid the clumsiness of no Russian. Mm-hmm. And I guess, that's the thing is, yeah, you know, I will say like a minor kind of like maybe not minor to some, but like a spoiler for Spec Ops line um, in kind of the way they portray it. Just give people a couple of seconds if they need to. Uh, Kind of, because that's the thing is like we're talking about like, oh no, this is a game a lot of people missed out on, and you yeah. should go check it out because like it's a it hidden is, gem. it is actually yeah, it is a bit of a hidden gem, yeah, because, um, yeah. But the way they portray it a lot of the time is like, oh, this person's got psychological problems that isn't actually seeing reality. So like, when you're committing a lot of those actions, you're not necessarily seeing that people are what they are. 
Yeah. And a lot of people always like hold that against me and say, oh, video games are an art form and it's like art should be able to tackle any subject. It's like I don't think Call of Duty is the right avenue for that. I always um, go back to the Call of Duty World War Two, where there's an interview with the director where they said during World War Two, and they said straight up, there's going to be a, we're going to touch the Holocaust with this game. I said, what? So yeah, in this game, we will met, you will see some aspects of the Holocaust. There will be a concentration camp in our video game. Don't worry, we're going to handle it very, very sensitively. The next week after that interview, they released a multiplayer trailer where it's four dude bros going, can't wait to snipe some motherfuckers in Call of Duty. And it's like smash cuts of them just like like using napalm on Nazis and firing shotguns into the air with like um, uh, weed leaves on their guns. And it's like, maybe this isn't the avenue to explore this particular topic. Yeah, there, there, there's a huge like narrative dissonance between the single player and multiplayer of Call of Duty where, as you say, the, the single player, there's a lot of... Like, you know, uh, people who clearly are passionate about trying to take on certain, like, narrative challenges and issues mm-hmm. and stuff, but then you've also got a suite of multiplayer options where it's like, isn't shooting people in the face really fucking funny? So I remember, like, the Battlefield 1 tried to do that as well, where they talked about how, yeah, we want the, the campaign to really, like, you know, hammer home the the horrificness of this conflict, but then they gave you bonus points for killing people with a flamethrower in multiplayer. Hmm. But finally, there's one little thing I want to mention. Because no Russian appears in the game's sequel, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. During a flashback scene in one mission, the playable character Yuri reveals to Captain Price that he was originally an aide to Makarov, was part of the group that attacked the airport in no Russian, but since Makarov was aware of his betrayal, he wounded Yuri to the sh- with a shot to the chest at point-blank range and left him for dead. He survives and attempts to stop the massacre by crawling into an elevator, picking up a gun from a fallen security guard and firing at the gunman. He collapses, having missed every shot due to the pain and blood loss. And are you ready, Lucas? The level was remastered for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2's campaign, with no significant changes outside of graphical improvements. However, an Easter egg was included... <laughs> They what? included Easter eggs in the terrorist simulator that shows Yuri attempting to stop the massacre before collapsing. Ugh. From your perspective, and in the player can shoot him before or after he collapses, but it will count as friendly fire, and you will start from a previous checkpoint. Dear God. So you get like a fission-mailed moment in Modern Warfare 2 so remastered. Let's just also point out that, you know, in that remaster... They say it is not okay to kill the guy that is shooting at you, but it is okay to go murder the civilians. Yeah, that's the thing. Because obviously, if you sh- if you shoot him, then it uh, it stops the story of like three happening. But just the idea yeah, yeah. that in the game, in the mission, where you can shoot civilians, the guy trying to stop the civilian shooting from happening, you have to, if you kill him, you get in trouble. Yeah. The one oh. guy trying to stop the terrorist action, and it's like, yeah, that's the one person you're not allowed to kill, and. I should say it's for continuity reasons, but like still. It's just. But what a fun conversation that was. And should we take a break now, Monsieur Lucas, and then come back after the fact to discuss your wiki? Indeed, yes. I need to refill my drink. Perfect. I need to do the same. So we are back, and Carl, you know, let's do a little bit of housekeeping, obviously, we mentioned at the start mm-hmm. of this podcast that we were going to. Uh, be having a live event and just give us a little reminder about what we're doing and when when it is. Oh, it's like I said, 25th of August, Rock Band Karaoke. We've got, what, 600 songs on your version of Rock Band? Mm Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, so I, I as well, I'm going to personally offer the same thing I did last time we did this, which is if someone could play through the fire and flames on expert without uh, murder, no fail on, um, I will buy them a drink. <laughs> I think like the proprietor of the gaming bar, Meltdown Sheffield, has also offered the same thing because like who doesn't want to see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I hope that means that people practice and not like, yeah, but I could do this 15 years ago. Let's crack it out. Yeah, and why like, not? Yeah, it's fine. And then you just like have to sit there in front of like what 20 plus people, like just like oh, I, I, I hopefully do more it. than that. Well, yeah, let's see how, let's see how many I, we can get in. That's the, that's what I mean. Is like you know, I was trying to be conservative with our numbers there, but um, I've got at least twenty friends. Hopefully, it's way more than twenty people if everyone can uh, can make their way there. But yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun time, and also is, just yeah. while while Carl cuddles, I can't remember the name again. Is he Snoot? Snoot, that's the one. While Carl cuddles Snoot, I'll just remind you that both of us have our. Switch pages that you can go and follow. Uh, Carl does his Metal Gear Rising Revengeance streams on Fridays and every Friday, mate. Um, you know, I'm. I'm I, I had going like through. 120 people peak like watching last week, which oh, and really? I looked and it's like, yeah, I am 85 <laughs> percent of the viewership for this game worldwide. I've had that a couple of times recently, and I I don't get that many viewers, but like, I, um, I've been playing through Zelda Minish Cap, and obviously mm-hmm. that's like quite an old game that. Yeah, it's been re-released on the Switch, but it was like months ago that that happened. So yeah. there's been times where it's like I click on that and I've got like maybe, you know, a dozen viewers, but the entire game has like 15. Like, and I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. There's the upside to that, you know, going and playing a game. Uh, and I remember That's as well one time like when we and you were like streaming some Viva Pinata together. We were the only people in the we, world streaming Viva Pinata. The only option, the only option you could watch is like, technically you're the number one streamer of this game. Yeah. Yes. It's like, I remember it was this um, this Scottish comedian years ago. He performed at the Fringe and got one star for his comedy show mm. from like The Guardian or something. So he just put on his like poster of like, a star, The Guardian. <laughs> it's like, they're not, he's not wrong. So it's like, I'm the world's biggest streamer for Viva Pinata. <laughs> but I yeah, can just put that. Um, so I put on the world's biggest uh, streamer from Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Yeah, on Fridays between these hours, because <laughs> there's probably someone out there who plays it, and if they played it, they'd get the most views. But exactly, exactly. Then. But yeah, uh, currently I'm playing through um, all of the Legend of Zelda games on my Tuesday streams, and then I'm mm-hmm. going through Pokemon games on my Thursday streams. And then Mondays are just for like you know whatever we're feeling, but I do have a sub goal to uh, do a Mass Effect playthrough where chat controls our decisions. Yeah, which I will be playing with you because I want to play Mass Effect again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, moving on from that, that's not what we're here to discuss. I just you we're know, here for the real shit. It's what we're talking about now. It's nice to plug our own stuff on our own podcast. But yes, my wiki this week, Carl. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure like how familiar you are, but I'm. I know that you're aware of what we're going to be talking about. So okay. I'm on the hero.fandom.com to keep things a bit simpler. Okay. Um, but we are talking about Geralt of Rivia from the Witcher series. So I know nothing about Geralt, so this is all going to be new to me. Well, you and know I- one thing about Geralt, and that was that Henry Cavill was so buff that his suit was ripping apart. I love that all the comments and that of like from those weirdo, like, um, uh, what they call now, our friend does it. Like, rec- oh, historical like, recreationists. Like, uh, LARPers and stuff like LARPers, that. yeah, be like, we must have been bad armor then. 
Who's made, but it's not real. Of course, it's not real armor. It's a fucking TV show. Do you think they're going to make like full plate or leather mail armor for a TV show? Of course, it was a costume. Like, yeah, of course. And 99.9% of Hollywood outfits are not going to like live up to actual, you know, historical accuracy in terms of like actual armor being built and stuff. It's like, so no, during, of like, course yeah. not. Do you when you're watching like, Extraction 2, Chris Hemsworth's body armor couldn't get shot. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, I, I remember I saw it because like, all half the comments from people were like, well, it's not real armor. It's like, but it's armor within the context of the show. It's like, oh, I hate people who do that. Yeah. And it's it's one of, I say 99.9% because I'm sure there's like an example out there of like some crazy, like, you know when like Christopher Nolan's like, uh, oh, I'm gonna make a bomb for his, uh, the accuracy yeah. of Oppenheimer. It's like there's gonna be some weird stuff out there, but yeah, I'm um, a person who's played through the start of The Witcher three multiple times because I've been assured that it no, good. it's the greatest game of all time, and you will enjoy it eventually. And I'm like, that's what put okay, me off it. Yeah, it's. I've played the first like 10, 15 hours three times and I'm just not vibing with it really. Because that's what kept happening with me. Like, I keep getting told to the point where I think, uh, do you like R Gaming on Reddit? Mm-hmm. There's like a sister subreddit called like R Gaming Circle Jerk where it's people oh, taking the piss yeah. out of that. And I think their header, and it has been for like, the last five years, is like, have you heard about Witcher 3? <laughs> Because <laughs> the amount of times people go, who remembers this forgotten gem? And it's The Witcher 3. It's like everyone knows about The Witcher 3. It's like, that thing is, The Witcher 1 and 2 weren't massively popular, but The Witcher 3 kicked the fuck off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it received incredible reviews. And the, you know, reason I want to even talk about Geralt today is because I do find that world very cool. and It's a very think- interesting universe, yes. Yeah, it, I'm I'm one of those person. I'm one of those persons, people that kind of have that thing with high fantasy of like, okay, but like, I don't what makes mind it different? high fantasy, but yeah, what's different from just the now generic like Tolkien esque tropes? Yeah, what's your like deviation from it? And the thing I like about Geralt is it has two swords. It's like, why does he have two swords? Like one steel for people, one silver for monsters. That's a cool concept. That is, yeah, and I just like the idea of, you know, the witches in general, and I think the the character, you know, looks cool, and so uh, the, like, what is it, uh, Yennefer and Ciri, is it? Oh, yeah. And obviously I'm going to butcher a bunch of proper nouns going through this, because as I say, you know, we're not see, massive yeah. on the witcher, and, I, you know, I know plenty of people as well that, like, recommend the witch TV series, and... Unfortunately, there's that situation where like Liam's Hem- Liam Hemsworth is coming in in season four, and everyone's a bit upset about that because Henry Cavill cared so much about the character. Yeah, the but he did it in that way where it was like I think the quote is he was annoying the writers, where it's like, oh, this isn't accurate, and it's like, who gives a shit? Yeah, it's like because it's that thing of like um, I was all on board with Henry Cavill doing that right up until I read interviews with people like how insufferable it was to deal with. Mm-hmm. Of like, we just want to get this scene shot, and it's like, no, I want to do this. It's like, just, just get it's the like, scene. I, I get I, the I scene get done. Being a fan of the books, but it's like, like oh, this, when yeah. it's when it's getting to the point where like, oh, you're interrupting the entire filming process because you're wanting this adaptation 
to be more accurate. It's like, but this is an adaptation. Yeah, because my my response that always is like, well, in the books, this wouldn't happen. It's like, well, it's a good job we're not making a book, isn't it? It's a good job that this is an entirely different medium, and that right. you know, and it's understandable that things will change for the sake of like you know ease of transitioning into that new medium. Like things that work in a book wouldn't work in a TV show, and things that work in a TV show wouldn't work in a book. And every example that people would bring up of like a great movie adaptation of a book, probably there's plenty of things that are inaccurate. Yeah, like Lord of the Rings, which we talked about in a previous episode of this where it's like there's so much stuff that's cut from the books because it was superfluous and not in and like, not necessary for the story being told and um one that's come up recently i've seen a lot of people talking about is like the new wonka trailer and it's like yeah none of the wonka movies like have ever been accurate to the the roll doll book mm-hmm. it's like he's well, an asshole in the book you know well, he's an asshole in the movies to be fair yeah well, he's like more of an asshole and it's anyway. like uh yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. We're not we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole, but like, we'll start out with a. I'd say this is on hero.fandom.com to make it a bit simpler for us to yeah, digest. As a, I clicked on the the like the Witcher wiki. Oh yeah, it was like four hundred pages long. It was like number one history, and there was like thirty subheadings of the history history of Geralt, and I was like. I appreciate that there's a lot of lore and stuff, but we're taking a top level approach. This is yeah. like. Just, oh, I think this guy's pretty cool. Let's learn a bit more about him. Mm-hmm. And plus, it didn't even have a powers and abilities, Carl. Is it not? It this didn't in that one, but this one does have a breakdown of his powers. And so let's go. So tell me more about Geralt of Rivia. Geralt of Rivia, uh, also known as Carl. Try and get oh. some band names on the go here. What were his band names? What are the I'm... band names? <laughs> it's still, I'm not going to be able to pronounce any of them. That's the problem. It's a, it's a high fantasy. It's written by some Polish dude who's like mad salty at the TV show is popular. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It's like, would Got you not it. just be happy that your universe is being shared more? But no. You don't get paid for it. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. Because <laughs> he infamously or famously, depending on how like funny you think it is, sold the rights to The Witcher to the video game studio. And when they asked him, do you want to get stuff on the back end or do you want $10,000? He went, well, video games are worthless as an art form. I want $10,000. And he sold them the rights in perpetuity. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's, that's a rough deal. When you look at how well The Witcher... Well, that's like, the thing, game though, and... Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, they completely, offered him and he said no. Completely just ignoring... Um, you know, what other art forms could do for the Witcher series. But yep. yeah, we have uh, Geralt of Rivia, obviously. Uh, the Butcher of Blaviken. My Butcher of Blaziken, eh? The Butcher of Blaziken, of Butcher course. of Blaziken, any, any Pokemon uh, with Earthquake. I'm going to try this one. We've got Gwynbled, which means White Wolf. Gwynblade, maybe? M- maybe Gwynblade, Gwynblade. Yeah, I'm cool, not though. sure, but... Uh, Gwynblade does sound cool, yeah. Uh, white one, which I like. To his white hair. Whoa, whoa, Spotify, calm down. Or is it just you being charged it's, with 10 or more? Is that what he's yeah. doing? It's like, hey, we've, I, did you get that email that says, hey, we're raising the prices? But it presents it as if like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, to help make the service better, we're raising the prices. It's like the service has been getting progressively worse for the last 10 years. It's like, just admit, like every other company, you'd up in the prices because money's going everywhere you know i do like though that all the artists like so we're going to get paid more right and just like <laughs> are we going to get an extra complete. 10% now yeah if you charge an extra 10% on the thing do we get more a 10% now 
Oh dear. Um, we have Ravix of Fourhorn. Should you like I don't know what that means, but it sounds rather shit. I buy that album. This man is precision with his blade, Carl, because he's yet, yet again a butcher. He is the butcher of White Orchard. See, he should be the butcher of, of the White Orchard. That mm-hmm. sounds like a title, as opposed to like butcher of White Orchard sounds like you're. I don't know, just adding the the in there mm-hmm. makes it sound cooler. And then, um, Geralt Roger Eric Duhout Belgard. Is I that like when he's undercover. I guess maybe just like, you know, married Dracula or something and got put into this like really fancy family. And, um, we're occupation. Um, he is a witcher, a wolf school member, and a vineyard owner, possibly in the games. Because yeah, I guess in Witcher 3, there's like Blood and Wine, the expansion. I guess it's from that. Yeah, where he just goes and just, I'm just going to sell wine. That's like <laughs> Sherlock Holmes in, in the original novels. Like the canon ending for Sherlock Holmes is that he just goes to the countryside and like opens like an apiary and just raises bees. <laughs> just wants bees. Just get some bees. And I do like this. His hobbies, Carl. Can you guess any of his hobbies? Okay, is this hobby? Oh, okay, so I'm not going to say hunting because that's his job. Number one, hunting. But that's his job. That's not a hobby. <laughs> no hunting. No, his, his job, job is, is to... being a witcher, not hunting. Okay, playing Gwent is it? Playing Gwent is another one. Playing Gwent. Um, what else can I say? There's, I know in the game two more hobbies. Like side quests, like helping others or something. No, we have slaying monsters and that's sleeping ho- with women. Okay, that's that first one is his job. The second one, <laughs> that's a hobby. A very just, good one. I just, I just started laughing. So it's a, it's a good way to sum up what Geralt is as a character, as far as I'm aware from, like, you know, just an onlooker of, like, he hunts, he slays monster, he sleeps with women, and he plays Gwen. So yeah. it sounds like Geralt. He slays me. monster and puss. That's the, that, <laughs> that is the Geralt way. And then we have the goals here. Uh, of recover his memory, find Siri, kill Imlarith, <laughs> and what? avenge Vesemir, protect Siri from the wild hunt, and kill Eredith. It's like, I just need to know, A, recover my memory, which means he's doing all this without having any re- like memory of why. He's just, I need to find Siri and kill these fuckers. Yeah. Oh dear, and then he has, he has Quite a list of uh, friends, family, allies, etc. Of course, yeah. And we'll go into some quotes from Geralt of Rivia. Give me a quote from Geralt of Rivia. Evil is evil. Lesser, greater, middling makes no difference. The degree is arbitrary. The definition's blurred. If I'm to choose between one evil and another, I'd rather not choose at all. That's what silence is always a choice. Where's like the telltale like Witcher crossover? Mmm, yeah. They went like cool. Telltale was hot shit when they were an actual company, and they yeah. they have reformed, but like different people and stuff. But Why yeah. do they never do gaming crossovers instead of doing crossovers with like other fair, movie? They did do the Borderlands one, which people they did, which was really good, very yeah. enjoyed. Yeah, and because they kept doing it with like actual properties where they have to pay people a shit ton on rights instead of just like teaming up with another gaming company. It's like we're gonna do Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like and pay Marvel money. Cool, but yeah, now all of that is just like. We've got to pay the Batman one. You know, people enjoyed the Batman one to be fair, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's like it would be cool to see them do more that were on the lines of um, like The Walking Dead, which was like you know the, the comic at the time. It was like yeah. based on the graphic novel, 
um, not the TV show, and then obviously with Borderlands as well, as I mentioned. But uh, We have another quote here, Carl. Yeah. Have, you send assassins after me, conjure up beautiful words, threaten to kill me, but you're scared to death and simply postponing the inevitable. Let's see if Henry Cavill said that, I believe. <laughs> he's he's going to power just, his way through. You keep talking shit and sending people to kill me, but guess what? I'm here right now about to kill you, you fuck. But yes, Geralt of Rivia is the titular main protagonist of the Witcher franchise, mm-hmm. serving as the titular main protagonist of the games and novels and the titular character and one of the three main protagonists alongside Ciri and Yennefer of the 2019 Netflix adaptation. So this is just amalgamizing all yeah. three of those things. I'm like, They're- stop making me say the word main protagonist. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, like, out of all three, if you were to, like, try and delve into one, do you have a preference? Uh, so the, the novel one, the TV show one, and the game one. Mm-hmm. What one do you think you'd, like, give a shot? The novel. Let's go with the, like the novel one. Because, you know, people know about the game, people know about the TV show, but I feel like the novels kind of get overlooked because let's play the games. I mean, okay, so there's quotes from novels, but, like, it really doesn't properly split up. I guess we've got, like, biography, and then it says in other media, so I guess we can check that out. But yeah, because I guess do- his biography will be his biography from the novels, and the other media will be the differences that are in those, yes. like, adaptations, I suppose. Um, I do want to mention, though, that in the video games, he was uh, voiced by Doug Cockle, who also voiced Harry Tipper in Time Splitters 2. I only ever played Time Splitters 3. But ha- I- Harry Tipper was in ha- Time Splitters 2 and 3, I believe. Okay, well, it's been a while since I've played either. But, so, uh, I played Time I believe- Splitters 2 multiplayer, but not the game itself. I believe Harry Tipper is indeed like the the 70s guy with like the moustache and the big sunglasses and my. Harry Tipperman. Uh, I probably recognise if I saw him. Presumably wasn't in Time Splitters Future Perfect. It, maybe they used a different voice actor, I'm not sure. Um, And then, yeah, obviously he was portrayed by Henry Cavill, who also played Superman, it says, for the first three seasons not, not of Liam Hemsworth in the fourth and final season. I wonder if they um, explain why he looks like Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> it's like, hmm... Did somebody, like, put a spell on you, Geralt? You look a little bit different. So did you hear as well that Liam Hemsworth was also doing it? Because he played all the games, so he was also on set being a dick of, like, this oh, wouldn't no. happen in the games. <laughs> it's just at that point, like, I just, like, I don't want to make this TV show anymore. Mm-hmm. Everyone involved is completely insufferable and exhausting. I don't want to spend any time around them. <laughs> so did you see Henry Cavill got permission to make that, like, Warhammer 40k <laughs> show? Yes, yeah. And all it is is just him doing what we're doing now of reading from the wiki and talking to friends. I'm just hoping I can remember to cut that because there was just an ice cream van just blaring its music. I'm just... To be fair, going past my house right now is a police siren. So, <laughs> so we have um, biography here. Geralt was the son of the sorceress Vicenna and presumably a warrior Corrin. So we don't know who his dad is. We don't know. You know, every hero's got to make sure they've got some parent problem, Carl. Yeah, you can't be a hero if you've got two parents. Shortly after being born, Geralt was taken by his mother to the wolf school. And that would be the coolest shit. Until just... you realise it's just like, okay, now I'll learn how to be a wolf. Because like... <laughs> I believe like the wolf school will be like one of the 
Witcher schools, and they are like yeah. the wolf clan of the the witches, I suppose. Um, the Kaer Morhen stronghold, <laughs> meaning Fortress of the Old Sea. Mm-hmm. Um, Geralt survived numerous mutations during the Trial of the Grasses, through which he gained practically superhuman, through which he gained practically superhuman physical and mental abilities, including which we'll get to presumably. Yeah, is a increased reflex of speed, strength, enhanced hearing, and he did so surprisingly well. Because of that, uh, he was one of the few selected for additional experiments. Oh, double experiments. <laughs> Imagine going through the... all that shit, and at the end of it, it's like, wow, <laughs> you survived, let's go for some more. Round two, baby. Like, what? What? Yeah, this is super hyper hard mode. What? No, 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 I'm okay. So, did you ever hear that's how Ghosts and Goblins ended? Do you like the infamously bastard hard NES game? Yeah, yeah. Ghosts and Goblins. If you get to the end of the game, it just says, okay, now you can play the real game and play, it just puts it on hard mode and you got to do it again. <laughs> From the beginning on hard mode. And if you die, you go back to the beginning. And that game's on fucking ultra hard from day one. Yeah, but if you get right to the very end, it says, haha, it was all a trick. This is not the real game. Fuck it's you. Like, the balls to do that. Arthur, it's no wonder Arthur looks like the way he does. I know. It's oh, carrying thought, the weight of the world. I thought, you know, your princesses in another castle was bad enough. Just fuck you. No, your princesses in another plane of reality beyond this one. That's twice <laughs> as hard. Oh, God. Yeah, well, that's what happened to, to Geralt here because it says he was one of the only ones that survived the further experiments. Uh, yeah. Not ideal, eh? But he did get his white hair that you know, from those said experiments. So he looks cool because of it, I guess. And he has like weird eyes as well. He has like yellow cat eyes or something. He does, yeah. Um I do like although Geralt did not believe in destiny, he demanded the unborn child of the Princess Pavetta and her husband Dooney as a reward for his services. It's like uh, I'm not sure. Just give give me your baby. Uh, yeah, he wants he wants babies. As the child turned out to be a girl, he did not take her. So he just wanted like a, a boy <laughs> child to take uh, he, with him. He wanted to do like ultra Batman and not take like an orphan. He wanted to orphan yeah. them immediately from birth. We an idea how like you, this baby will better do so many more backflips <laughs> if I raise it from birth instead of from seven years old. <laughs> However, fate or blind chance calls Geralt and Siri, the daughter of them, to cross paths. Thrice, and after the death of her grandmother, Queen. Go on, you got this. Calenth. You got this. Uh, Geralt ended up taking care of the girl and loving her as his own daughter, not in a weird way. Yeah. His best friend was Dandelion the Bard, while his lover and the love of his life was Yennefer. Dandelion. Who the fuck calls him? The thing is, I remember that's why I got immediately turned off from the TV show. Because everything, like, you know, it's not historical. Mm-hmm. I know it's not historical, same way I know Game of Thrones isn't, but they're evoking that imagery of like you suppose it's evoking the image of like you know medieval Middle Ages Europe. Yeah, and when that bard turns up and he's got hair gel on, he <laughs> just looks too modern. And it looks like and he looks like a prick as well. Uh. He looks like he looks like that douchebag. Mm. It's like Joe and like um, uh, was it now? Oh God, who's that ginger singer? Ed Sheeran. When Ed Sheeran turns oh, up in Game of Thrones. Yeah. And he, he just looks too modern. And was it... I, I, really, I can't remember what it was, but I think it was like... I think it was Game of Thrones where, like, 
the, they were trying to figure out how to get like the Always Sunny crew into it as well. Oh yeah, and they like couldn't because of scheduling or whatever. And I'm like, no, just like don't do this shit. Don't plug random celebrities into the middle of your world. That's not what this show's about. Especially like Ed Sheeran as a musician in yeah. Game of Thrones as well. It's like, oh fuck off. I do think it's very, very funny, though, that they explicitly include a line later in the season where they say he got all his face melted off by the dragon. Because <laughs> they realise how much everyone hated that. That's the thing with that, that bard. of As soon as he turns up, he looks too modern. Mm-hmm. I, I know this is a fantasy world, but it's a fantasy world where they don't have hair gel. It's like when I was watching like Rings of Power mm. and the, el- the black elf turns up. And it's like, I'm fine with the black elf, but why has he got a fade? Right, yeah. Why has he got a fade? That's a modern hairstyle. Mm-hmm. And so one of my friends are, well, isn't there an elf? Maybe the elves figured it out. It's like, <laughs> but he's got specifically a buzzed fade. That's not a hairstyle you can really you do. You don't with... know what magic the elves I have, guess. Carl. But that's the thing is, it's like, if you had like dreadlocks or anything like that, it's like, I'm fine with that. But the fact he has a fade, it's like, but that's a modern hairstyle. Hmm. Um, and I do find it a bit weird, like reading that is. I, I've always heard, you know, the community, again, like, from afar, I'm not part mm-hmm. of the community, but I've always heard, like, oh, uh, Siri or Yennefer. And I kind of think that's a bit weird when the context is you're playing as Geralt and you're saying, like, Yennefer, the love of his life, or Siri, his, adopted like, adopted daughter. daughter. Like, I always assumed that that was, like, a love, you know, option in the game of, like, which one do you pick? But if the community are like, oh no, my adopted daughter, that's maybe, maybe they changed maybe. it for the, the games then. Because like, I'm not, not sure, but I do, I have seen that I have like there is like that thing of like which character, which is the real waifu for Geralt. And it's like now knowing series like the pseudo adoptive daughter figure, mm-hmm. and I don't know, maybe it's just that they're like the people are saying which one's like hotter out of the context maybe, yeah. and not a love option for Geralt. I'm not sure, but. Uh, uh, we'll go through just quotes from in other media here quickly, because okay. um, I didn't know there was a movie. I so, bet it's Polish and no one's fucking seen it. Yeah, that that screams to me that like before they gave the rights to CD Projekt Red or whatever, they made like a small indie movie of it or something. Yeah. I'm not sure, uh, but there was apparently a movie and a quote from the movie. There is no lesser evil, Renfrey. Evil is evil and always will be. So we're very much on the same... Crib in the same kind of line, yeah. We are, yeah. Uh, I won't kill Stregobar, annul you. I won't allow any carnage here. Give it up, all of it. Then you'll prove for yourself that you can cut this chain of fate. That you can forgive. You can become someone else. I'm like, okay, yeah, again. Very similar to kind of Batman writing of like, if you go down this line, like... And I just find it funny because then the quotes from the TV series, I thought the world needed me too. Oh, clearly a step up in the writing quality and, like that. In the That's computer like... game as well. Either leave on your feet or die on your back. And it's like the level of difference. That's the thing, yeah. It's the translation from like, you know, book to screen. It's like when you see is it like um, you can pinpoint the exact moment in Game of Thrones where they ran out of George R. R. Martin's material because just the writing gets worse. Mm-hmm. So you go from like these like florid, amazing, high fantasy style speeches 
So just like, um, uh, fucking good pussy, or whatever the fuck, that line that everyone always singles out of, like, why is that in this game, like, this show is so bad. And obviously there are um, a lot of elements where they try to have, you know, naturalistic speech as well, where yeah. characters will just be like, oh, you know, fuck off or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. That There is those elements, but yeah, it's just the the... The kind of highs and lows of the levels of writing are just extreme. Um, yeah. And then we get to, you know, the fun bit of powers slash skills. Let's have a look. And what are the power um, slash skills of Geralt of Rivia? Well, it's a bit weird, really, because a lot of this here is just like so master swordsman, master hand-to-hand combatant, yeah. um, increased metabolism. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And then uh, Witcher senses, which I was like, okay, let's let's go. And it's just, yeah, he has more enhanced compared to normal humans, making it for easier to track and hunt prey. Like, I do know the thing though about the metabolism one. Is it like mm. a key thing in the game? Is that you can drink potions, and only witchers can drink potions because if anyone else drunk them, be poison. Yeah, um, is I that how it works? Just that it's like in he has higher metabolism compared to a normal human being, allowing them to ingest potions that would otherwise be lethal to common folk. That's it, yeah. It's like, there's these things that they will give you superhuman power for a split, like for a brief moment, but a human drinking it would die, but a witcher can. That's mm-hmm. part of like their witch tricks. I know that was in the show as well, where you see him like drinking the potions and like, it's like adrenaline boost and sort of thing. That's, that's what happens when you go through extra hard mode, Carl. You yeah. unlock the ability to drink potions. And I, I do appreciate that because yeah you do think about like well if you know for example like super strength mm-hmm. we, we've mentioned this before like, the power of super strength inherently like requires like the durability on the body to be able to handle that level of extra yeah. strength and stuff like i do appreciate that like yeah most people wouldn't be able to pull the shit off in this world yeah so it's an interesting application of that isn't it you have an enhanced metabolism so you can ingest stuff that would be ordinarily fatal to a human which mm. because you can metabolize it faster the negative effects can basically be nullified so you can enjoy the positive effects which no one else would be able to do it's a unique thing available to you as someone with this enhanced metabolism do you think another part of his enhanced metabolism is that he has to like shove babies in microwaves while he eats burritos <laughs> you seen that flash <laughs> thing then <laughs> Did you see that the Blue Beetle movie came out, like, yesterday? Wait, that's out? Yeah, it was a Blue Beetle movie, and it made, like, $10 million, and it cost $150 million to make. So there's a calculation that The Flash and um, Blue Beetle combined might make less money in their entire box office, like, time at the cinema than one weekend of Barbie. That's really shit because like Blue, Blue Beetle's, Beetle's a cool, cool character. Yeah, it cost $150 million to make that movie, Lucas. I didn't know that released yet. No one did. I saw the headline of like Blue Beetle movie makes this much at the box. Wait, that came out? Yeah. It's out and no one gives a shit because obviously it's the writer's strike as well. The actors mm-hmm. can't promote it. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that was the one where I was like, oh, but Blue Beetle might be cool. Like, I'm it not very excited for like The Flash. I'm not very excited to support Ezra Miller and watch Batgirl basically as a finished movie be cancelled while Ezra Miller gets to you know go and promote The Flash all the time. But especially like, oh, Blue though, Beetle might be a redemption story. Like, no. The trailers out. I watched it. It don't look great. 
That's a that, shame because Blue Beetle's a cool character. It is, but that CGI looks rough. Yeah, yeah. Um, but going back to Geralt here, um, yeah, it does say that Geralt has an encyclopedic knowledge. What of everything um, on? It says encyclopedic. Being a witcher means that Geralt needs to always be one step ahead of his enemies when it comes to monsters. Fortunately, thanks to years of reading about various monsters and the weaknesses, Geralt has amassed a knowledge which allows him to craft the proper bombs, create the proper oils, and cast the proper spells in order to always have the upper hand in a fight. And again, I, I appreciate that it's not, oh, well, he got magic brain powers. It's yeah. No, he He's actually got- sat down on researching knows how to actually create like up, you know situations that put him in the upper hand. Do you know what I'd like as well? Maybe they do do this in the Witcher games, but I'm not mm-hmm. aware because I've just seen it's like you hunt monsters, but like a game where you hunt or fight creatures from folklore, where like the traditional folkloric ways that you can like sedate them or kill them or get them to go away would work. Like, do you know, like vampires, for example, mm-hmm. historically in folklore can't come into your house unless you invite them, or like um, they they have a they have to count objects if they're dropped on the floor. It's like mm. a way of scaring vampires, like, you know, just throw, like, coins on the floor so they have to count them or what have you. I would love a game of, like, you know, folkloric creatures where you've got to use the traditional folklore methods to um, uh, defeat them. I I just got reminded of an excellent um, X that I just saw not long ago. Not a tweet, a, an X. A, a tweet. You saw an <laughs> a X. Tweet. Um, and it's, I was like, oh, God, a tweet. Um, Twix. And it was like, oh, dating apps are getting really weird nowadays. And it was like, oh, do you want to meet up around this time? And it was like, oh, can we meet at night? That also, I'm allergic to garlic if we're having food. Uh, just so you know. Also, can can you invite me? And it's like, oh yeah, okay. I see what you're doing. It. <laughs> no, but I'd, say, I'd love to see like a game we take. Because I know like some, I think some of the enemies like you've got to create like tinctures and stuff of like, oh, this enemy's weak mm-hmm. to like wolf's bane or whatever. But I'd love to see like a way of like the traditional folkloric ways you would handle these creatures. Yes, and I think it would be kind of cool, um, specifically with Geralt, if, like, you know, say, for example, like, vampires and werewolves, if they didn't exist in that world, it's like, all of a sudden he encounters, like, a new, undiscovered monster, like a werewolf, and, like, has to figure out, like, oh, well, what what do I actually need to use against this creature, and, like, try and mm-hmm. do some research and stuff like that. Maybe it wouldn't be the best for, like, a video game, but it would be a cool situation, like... Oh, no, punch it really hard. Rather than being monsters that we actually know about, it's like monsters like you know that we've barely seen and we don't actually know the weaknesses of. Wasn't well, so, yeah, go like deep, deep into like you know folk, like, like Japanese toilet ghosts and all that bollocks. Get some real, <laughs> real crazy bullshit that no one's ever heard of. Get just the hand that's always in toilets in Zelda games that just yeah. pops out asking for for paper. Just like, get some it. bullshit like that and make us fight that in a game. Um. And then we've got his magic powers here. Geralt, oh, yeah, has, uh, Geralt also has a range of effective, albeit limited, spells and signs that he can use to subdue the enemies. Um, so it breaks down a few of them, I guess. It, at least in the games I've seen that he has quite mm-hmm. a few. He has like, the, uh, the short-range fire spell. He also, don't forget, he's in Soul Calibur. Oh. Yeah, he's in Soul Calibur. Yeah. He can fight 2B and he's got magic in that. <laughs> and it's... Was because Noctis was in something that wasn't Soul Calibur, right? Tekken. Yeah. Why is Noctis 
not in Soul Calibur. It's like, ugh. Anyway. You, know I mean? you um, had 2B versus Geralt instead of Noctis versus 2B. Like two characters who fight, anime characters who fight with like six different weapons at once that magically teleport to them. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So there's like, no Geralt. <laughs> so when they put fucking Ezio in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, put, put Ezio in a fucking Mortal Kombat game. <laughs> put Geralt in one. But yeah, uh, we've got Igni that allows Geralt to light enemies on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quen casts a protective but breakable shield around Geralt. It would have been a bit nicer if it wasn't a breakable shield, but you know, it's limited spells. Uh, got Axie allows Geralt to charm opponents and manipulate them to coming docile mm-hmm. or divulge information. You got Eden allows Geralt to create a magical trap which can incapacitate monsters. And Ard allows Geralt to telekinetically blast enemies, stunning them or knocking them back. So a pretty wide range of magical powers. Yeah. It's pretty strong. It's playing Gwent as well. Press the triangle button to challenge people to play Gwent. That should be a power, (laughs) right? a magical power. It's a power to me. It's a a power to compel people to always play Gwent. It's like Squall's power in like Final Fantasy VIII of pressing square and challenging people to play cards. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's secretly a magical ability that like none of them can resist. Because fair enough, like when someone's like, "Do you want to play Gwent?" And you're like, yeah, "Yeah, sure, I'll play a bit of Gwent while I'm just chilling in the bar." But when they've been there for fifty hours, like, do you still want to play another game of Gwent? Do you want to play Triple Triad? And Carl's there grinding out in the the cafeteria of the the school. Well, like, do you want to play Triple Triad again? I've We've had like thirty matches. Please, remember, Carl, leave me be. Remember your main character in Final Fantasy has a gun. So there was an implication there. What happens if you don't play? But it reminds me a little bit of the obscure, I guess, PS2 game that came out following like the Need for Speed era. Do you know, like all racing games wanted to be Fast and Furious or Need for Speed mm-hmm. called Juiced? Oh, and it was actually really fun. And my brother mm-hmm. loved that game. And he had and one of the gimmicks you had in that game was. You could call up like rival racers to pink slip them and win their car. Right, yeah. So, but if you kept doing that, eventually they'd stop answering the phone and be like, I haven't got any cars left. <laughs> and you had to just like, they just didn't have a car anymore because you'd just cleared them out. And like, you'd call up and say, Do you want a pink slip race? They'd be like, I haven't got a car. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah. You took my entire garage. So, Please a good stop. way to make money was just go challenge the weakest guy in the thing to like race his car, just turn up in a fucking absolutely maxed out Supra, annihilate him in a drag race. Oh. Get his car and just sell it for parts. Uh, that's, that's the thing is, cause, you know, in that world you would know. It's like, mate, I, we, we, I've given you ten cars. Like, can you please just leave? Well, that's what made it so funny because you could just like pink slip people over and over again. And I always liked the way that game handled the leveling because it wasn't like uh, you'd think in a racing game. Oh, you have like this guy's really good, this guy's really bad. It's like, no, everyone has like a skill, but the way they balanced it is it's based on the horsepower of your car. So the more powerful car you use, the more powerful car they use. Mm -hmm. But my brother min-maxed it and went, well, if I just get a fucking Lamborghini, but then just put aftermarket stuff in that's worse, I've now got a Lamborghini that's technically shit, but it's a Lamborghini. (laughs) So he just like challenged everyone to a drag race and they rock up in this old beater so, oh, yeah, I'm just going to Lamborghini. It's like, <laughs> so every time I need a cash, you'd be like, oh, I was going to go pink slip TK. <laughs> Until he just stops answering the phone, like, man, I've got no money. I'm cleared out. I want to see Geralt doing that, but just 
you know, doing it like, with, oh, I've got Roach, my horse. And it's like, do you want to do you want to do like a race for your horse? It's like, I've got no horses left, Geralt, please. Just you've taken my stable. And there's one piece of trivia about okay. Geralt of Revere here. Tell me this one singular piece of trivia. One piece of trivia to round it out is that Geralt has his own postage stamp available in Poland. I can see that. I, you know, he's probably one of Poland's most uh, well-known cultural exports. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that's more notable from Poland, like culturally, than the Witcher series. I mean, that's just probably because we're not familiar with a lot of things from Poland. To exactly, yeah, to exactly. be very honest about it, but yeah, I mean, obviously, even. Poland must agree to some extent if they've given them a postage stamp. Like, mm-hmm. if it's anything like the UK, there's not many things that are culturally relevant enough to get their own po- postage stamps. Yeah, we it's like we've probably like Doctor Who. Um, does Paddington Bear? Paddington Bear. Yeah, Paddington Bear is a popular one. I've seen a I Paddington wonder, Bear stamp. I was going to say, I wonder if we've seen Paddington Bear on a stamp before. We must have done. Must've. So I remember I was in the post office the other day posting something. And they had, like, a new collection. So they just keep releasing collections for, like, you know, kids to collect, like, stamps and stuff and teach them, like, oh, buy currency and stuff so they teach them. They had a Transformers collaboration. I was like, oh, I won't mind getting some Transformers <laughs> stuff. Because it's, like, it's officially branded and it's just mm, the British government's teamed up with Hasbro to just sell Transformers stamps. I wonder if we're going to get um, just, like, Hugh Grant as an umpalumper on a postage stamp. Is Hugh Grant the umpalumper in Wonka? Yeah, it looks so bad. Thing is, though, I get why they're not putting little people in orange makeup anymore. But <laughs> have they ever managed... And as well, I think the people always, thing people always say about the umpalumpers in the books is that they're black. Well, um, apparently Which, in the books it was like that they were like, Literal slaves, they're that slaves brought yeah. over, yeah, from sugar plantations, and I think they're described as being black. Right, so I yeah. wonder why they're not putting that into the the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they've never looked better than they did in the um, uh, the original, where it's just like you know, little men painted orange. The Gene Wilder one, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like I think it's just that visual is too iconic, and they keep yeah. trying to move away from it because we don't want to be seen to do the same thing, but. Just there's something so visually distinct about like, the little white jumpsuits, the orange face, and the green hair. I mean, like, I'm it's gonna, I'm just gonna so show visually you. striking. Yeah, that's right. I want to see Hugh Grant as an Umpalumpa. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know why we're ending out like the I didn't Geralt know he was playing the Umpalumpa. Because I figured, like, you know, in a modern one, they just won't put the Umpalumpas in. I mean, that, that would be probably the better option, right? So they had Johnny Depp do it and they put the Umpalumpas in. It's like one guy CGI'd like 10,000 times. Yes, and that yeah. looks shit. So it can't possibly look worse than that, surely. Uh, I don't think it looks. Will anything ever look worse than the like the Tim Burton? Holy shit, that looks bad. It does look bad because he's it? got the traditional look. He's orange with the like, you know the green hair. Yeah, but oh, it's man. clearly a CGI. Hugh Laurie. Hugh Grant. Hugh, yeah. Laurie, Hugh Grant. Um, but yeah, what's, the, what's just... wrong with just getting a little person actor to do that? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about that at the moment. Cause, like, well, why don't you just get, like, a really the, short person? The Snow White and Seven Dwarves are not dwarves anymore. And it's like, but that's taking away, like, a role from little people. Like, Yeah, it's like... They should have had that role and... Thing yeah. of like, oh, it's not... But they bought roles like that. would have been seven entire gigs right there. Yeah. They like, never no, forget when they did the Hobbit movie. They just got actors and just made them short. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. And then they had short stunt doubles on set, but it was like, no, but we need to get Sean Astin in instead. Got to make sure we're getting the Nepo babies in. I love it. I, I, I love that. Have you seen that they keep, there's now a trend in Hollywood or in um, trade publication, just asking Nepo babies what they think about being a Nepo baby. And there's one guy that's done it to three times and he keeps walking out of the interview. <laughs> so now there's like this like cabal of journalists who've said we need to keep asking him because it's really funny. He's like <laughs> Ben something or other. He was the guy who was in um, uh, Dear Evan Hansen. Well, it's a, fun, it's a fun one to end on. Like basically, he was Dear Evan Hansen was like a musical that he was in. And they made a movie of it. And Dear Evan Hansen is about a, a teenager in high school. And he got hired at 27 years old to play a teenager in high school. Oh, Tobey Maguire in it, yeah. Yeah, and his dad was the executive producer on the movie. <laughs> is this oh, Ben Platt? Ben Platt, yeah. And when he was asked, like, just Google Ben Platt, Dear Evan, and you'll see how bad it looks. But when like, his dad was asked, of like, why did you cast your son in this? And he's like, well, if my son didn't get cast, the movie wouldn't have got made. Basically saying, like, if you wouldn't have let me cast my son, I wouldn't have made the movie. And whenever Ben Platt gets asked about it, he's like, well, I just think my talent speaks for itself. It's like, we've literally got a quote from your dad saying we wouldn't have made the movie if you didn't get cast. Uh, and apparently uh, there's been, like, three interviews on the bounce where they keep asking him about it and he keeps storming out the interview. <laughs> it's just, just stop. Just admit. Yeah, my, my, my parents, of course, I'm happy for the connections that my parents gave me. Yeah, exactly. I'm, like, just, I'm happy for the parents that my parents gave it, and like you know, it sucks that other people don't have that. But I'd be stupid not to take advantage of it. So and that's see- the thing is, a lot of people get like really annoyed by like the idea of nepo babies and stuff. But it's like, but if you're in a position where you could give like your friends and family an yeah. up in life, would you not do that as well? And, yeah, I think the main issue a lot of people have is just just admit it. Cause it's like, yeah. um, mm-hmm. oh god, what's her name now? Um, Tilda Swinton, her daughter. It was like she was interviewed about it. And went, oh, do you think like you know being Tilda Swinton's daughters help you get roles? I'm like, no, I think my talent speaks for itself. And like, just the little addenda at the bottom is like she's been in three movies, all of which featured a mom. And it's like <laughs> clearly it's not your talent speaking for itself, is it? It's like, that, but that's the thing again. Just just you say, say yeah. I'm I'm really grateful of the connections that that's provided me, and I hope that like my talent can show through. Yeah. And that's, that's all they need. That's all they need to say. But every time they do it, it's like the seemingly there's that thing in their head where they can't admit it's not all me. Mm-hmm. But just yeah, I found that was so funny. That he's been asked multiple times. It's like everyone's like, just fire your fucking PR team, mate. Yeah, because his PR team keeps coming in, like cutting people off when they ask him about it, and it's like <laughs> we're just gonna keep doing it. <laughs> if anything, it's gonna encourage people to do it more. No. Oh. oh. Well, yeah, oh. let us know, folks, which wiki won this week. Unless you just like the little conversation at the end about Umbalumpers. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, thank you all for joining on a bit of a longer episode. But yeah, uh, it was still appreciate, fun. Appreciate everyone for sticking around. And we need to just learn to like rein ourselves in, I guess. <laughs> we keep being like, this week will be shorter, and then it ends up being a longer episode. Oh, it's fine. It's a beauty of wiki weekends. It's fine. Cheers, everybody. Thank you very much.